in this worship series, and um, yeah, it's a real privilege eh, for me to be here. I am um, yeah blessed to be able to share just a bit of my heart on worship with you tonight. Um, you probably want to know who I am, so here's a photo of, oh, that's not who I am, but this is my main job at the moment, this beautiful little boy. His name is Ezra, and he's ten and a half months, and he is the cutest little tiny person to ever walk on the planet. Um, I think so. Anyway, uh, uh, the second cutest is his dad, um, my incredible husband Ben. You probably know him here. He's the um, youth pastor here at BBC. Um, and a little bit else I do with my time. I am the Tauranga Hub leader for Worship Central New Zealand. So that's it's a network that exists to champion and equip the local church and, and the heart of it's really to fuel the, the, the passion of worship in Aotearoa. Um, we're actually running a Worship Leaders Academy at the moment over at Changepoint for this month, so uh, that's been really exciting. Um, I'm also working for Pathways Bible College. They've, they run a school of worship leading, so I'm involved in that. And um, yeah, if you've never heard of Pathways, check it out. They have the um, full year internship, but they also have these online courses you can do one at a time for credit or just to look at them, and it's, it, it's incredibly inspiring, and um, yeah, if you want to grow in your faith and don't know how, that's a, a great, great place to start. So uh, I'm passionate about worship, and it is such a beautiful and complex thing to worship our almighty God. Um, there's so much we could talk about when it comes to worship. I know we've got four weeks on this, and um, yeah, there's... there's there's so much that we could talk about, and I think a really great place to start is what even is worship, um, and what does the Bible say about worship, and how do we know that what we are doing is even genuine worship? These are all good questions. So, disclaimer, I am a teacher rather than a preacher. I have preached once before in my life, but I like to think that this is kind of like worship leading on steroids. I just, you know... Worship leader's dream is to like preach a little preach between songs so that it's like super epic and now I just get to go for half an hour. So get out your phones or your notebook and get ready to take some notes because we're going to get a bit crazy, okay? So we're just going to pray. It's a great way to start. Almighty God, we want to pause in this moment and acknowledge you our creator God. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're a God who is good and faithful and just and holy and man, yet you love us. Thank you that we can come before you into your very presence and worship you. I pray that tonight would be no different, that we would be... Um, yeah, each one of us would get a new sense of what it means to, to worship you, to, to, to give our lives to your glory. Um, yeah, I just pray that you'd give me boldness and clarity as I share um, just some thoughts and, yeah, that you'd be glorified in our lives, ultimately. Amen. Cool, so one of my most beautiful memories, or favorite memories of a moment of worship in um, worshiping God was back when I was studying at Auckland University. I did a jazz degree. It's where I met Ben. He was on the piano. I was singing. 
jazz scales, and we were like, hmm, we fell in love, uh, long story short. But I was, there, there was this one particular morning, 10 a.m.-ish, I was in a jazz theory class, uh, our German teacher, Ollie, was yarning about Mixolydian scales and 251s, and um, I was semi-tuned in, half zoned out, and um, all of a sudden, as I was sitting there, I just felt God overwhelm me with his love, with the simple words, I love you, you're my daughter, I love you. Uh, and I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sitting in the middle of a jazz lecture theory, a jazz, jazz theory lecture, and, and I just sensed this incredible love from God in that moment. And I, all I wanted to do was just put my arms up and say, thank you, Jesus, I love you. Man, this is incredible. But I was sitting in a, in a lecture theatre. I was in the front row, which was probably a really good thing because I was grinning from ear to ear. I was just in adoration of my Father God who loves me. And um, it, was, it was a powerful moment of worship. And in, in that moment in a room full of jazz students, without making a sound, without doing a thing, I worshipped God. So how is this possible that, that at 10 a.m. in a brightly lit room, 15 people around me talking about, I mean, jazz scales are exciting, but they're not that exciting. <laughs> so how is this possible that I had an encounter with the Lord and I responded in worship? Well, perhaps worship has more to do with spirit and with truth than it has to do with location or music or religious form. So let's get back to the roots of what this worship word even means. So I should probably catch up with my slides. Um, so worship comes from the words worthy and ship. So you put them together, worship. Meaning to give glory or honor or, or value to somebody or something, and in our case, to God. So worship is about his glory and our surrender. Now, this is not to say that God gets his worth or value from us giving it to him. It's, it's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> He's always God. He is always huge and great and mighty. But the point is that we recognize the worth, recognize the value of our incredible God and attribute that to him in worship, making ourselves smaller in reference to who he is, making ourselves align our hearts and surrender to who he is, to our mighty God who loves us. So this is what it looks like when we talk about his glory and our surrender. It's dwelling on the truth of who he is and of who we are. Brooke Fraser, sorry, Brooke Legitwood. Oh, it's in the same slide, wasn't it? She said recently, true encounter with God is revelatory. It brings a revelation and transformative. We discover more of who God is and in doing so, more of who we are. And when we experience, when we encounter the fullness of who God is, we can't help but be transformed as we see who he is and, and who we are and how much we are loved. So let's just pause and take another deeper look at this word worship in the Bible. What does the Bible tell us about it? When we read worship in the Bible, it's actually the English translation of heaps of Hebrew and Greek words. So you can't translate worship 
from English back into the language that the Hebrew or Greek was written in because they don't have just one word that means worship. They have a multitude of words that mean worship, different aspects of, of um, how they'd express that worship. So the top three in the Greek of the New Testament, if you didn't know the Bible wasn't written in English, it wasn't written in English, it was written in Hebrew, the Old Testament, and Greek in the New Testament, and um, yeah, the Bible we have today is thanks to the multilingual world that we live in. But it's incredible to look back at the original um, text, the original meaning, because so many words in the Hebrew language especially, uh, it just gives such depth to what we're reading about. So the first one is a Greek word called proskynio. And this word means to physically bow down in worship. So full body, prostrate on the ground. John 4.23 is a verse that says, uh, Jesus is talking and he says, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. So he's, he's saying true, true worshippers, true bow-downers will worship, will bow down before the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people to bow down before him. Really interesting. When was the last time you literally bowed down before something? It's not really something we do in our day and age. Uh, there's no physical thing that you could do with your body to demonstrate surrender like bowing down. Um, it is one of the most humble things that you could do. You should try it sometime, maybe. See how it makes you feel. could be quite revealing. Um, so we've got proskynio, physically bowing down in worship. The second most common word is latreo, and this is a word that means acts of service. So Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And Darren shared this with us last week. This, is, this word worship is latreo, acts of service. That's why we can talk about our lives, our daily lives as worship, because it's our service. We can offer what we're doing, our everyday, ordinary, going to work, going to sleep, eating daily life. We can offer that to God as our acts of service, our worship. So the third one, is sebo, I'm, I'm probably not saying them right, I'm very sorry, but um, they're really cool words. Awe and reverence is what sebo means. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They have awe and reverence for me in vain. It's meaningless. Their teachings are merely human rules. So sebo is also often the word that they use when they're talking about the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. It's this awe, it's this reverence for this mighty God whom we serve. So we've got physical bowing down, worship. We've got acts of service, daily life, things that you do, worship. We've got awe and reverence, worship. This paints a beautiful picture of what biblical worship looks like. But it's still just a piece of the puzzle. These are avenues that you can walk that allow you to worship God uh, physically, service, in your mind, with your heart. But in order for this to be worship, it has to involve your spirit and surrender. Our response to the glory of God has to be surrender. So what do we mean when we say surrender? Surrender is, 
is yielding yourself or something, yielding yourself to the possession or power of another to give yourself up. So surrender and worship is giving yourself up totally to the will of God. It's not just a nice thought. Oh, I surrender. It's cool, God. I surrender to you. It's, it's total and absolute giving up of yourself to the will and the power and possession of God. You are his. He is your God. You are his child. It's humbling what you want and moving from a self-centered life to a God-centered life. This is really convicting stuff. Even as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, oh, it's, it has to be more than just a nice thought in a moment, right? So if worship is about his glory and our surrender, then worship needs to be authentic. The Father is looking for worshipers who really mean it. Worshipers who worship surrendered in spirit in your innermost being, and in truth, the truth of who Jesus is. So this phrase, in spirit and in truth, have you heard that before? Yep. Um, it's bandied about quite a lot when we talk about worship. Oh, cool, worship in spirit and in truth, that's, that's when you're doing it properly. Um, so this verse in John 4 that I read before, the hour is coming and indeed is now here, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus is, is saying this in response to the woman at the well. You might have heard of her. She's, she's having a conversation with Jesus, and she says, sorry, I have this verse up on here for you. Um, she says to him, okay, Jesus, so... When we come to worship God, she uses the word proskynio, bow down. When I come to worship to bow down before God, which mountain is the mountain that I bow down at? Do I bow down at our mountain, Samaria, or do I bow down at your mountain in Jerusalem? Which mountain is the right mountain to, to bow down properly before God? And Jesus says, hang on, it's not about the mountain anymore. It's about true worshipers worshiping in spirit and in truth. The fullness of worship can be expressed anywhere in any circumstance because God is spirit and God is with us. He dwells within us by the power of his Holy Spirit and at any moment, in any circumstance, we can bow down and worship. Remember the word that Jesus is using here is proskynio, physically bowing down, the ultimate act of physical surrender that reflects the spiritual, emotional, mental, heart surrender that's going on inside. So he's effectively saying, true worshippers will physically bow in spirit and in the innermost being, will physically bow in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. So what matters is that you're physically and spiritually surrendering your life your heart, your spirit, your body, your mind, your soul, your strength to God in worship. The Father is looking for worshippers who really mean it. So something that's really challenged me about this lately has been um, Craig's preaching in the series of James on this Hebrew versus Greek mindset, this worldview that, that's kind of lurking around. Um, and the Hebrew worldview, it's... It says, I prove what I believe by what I do. So if I believe something, I prove it, that I actually believe it, by then going and doing something about it. You can't have one without the other. 
Greek thinking, however, says if I have the intent to do it, if I believe it in my heart, then even if I never get around to actually doing it, I, I still believe it. I believe it. My intention is proved by my belief. So this is how we tend to think today. For example, I have a, a couple of knees that will swell up if I, <laughs> you're really weird, you weren't expecting that. Um, if I don't do strengthening exercises, my knees will swell up and makes life very difficult. So I might say that I believe that exercise is good for it, makes my knee healthy, and I want my knees to be healthy. I want to be able to walk around uninhibited. Greek thinking would say, oh, cool, good work, Rosie. You, you believe that your exercises are going to do you good. That's awesome. Even if you never actually do them, and I won't tell you whether I do or not, um, but even if I never actually do those exercises, I still believe that to be the best course of action, so that's great. You believe it. Awesome. But Hebrew thinking, biblical thinking, follows that unless I then go and actually do those exercises, maybe I never believed it in the first place. This has rocked my world and torn apart everything that I've thought I've known about worship and it's, it's been so confronting for me to, to come to this place where I think, okay, if my intent and my attitude in a moment of worship, particularly corporate worship, is not followed up by a life that is surrendered to God, then perhaps that moment in worship was all meaningless. Faith without deeds is dead, as James says, so maybe the same goes for worship without surrender. Maybe that is never really worship. I feel like if I've experienced a moment of surrender as I sing in church or as I pray or as I read uh, my Bible or whatever else I might be doing, if nothing follows through in the rest of my life, if I don't experience any of the transformation that the Holy Spirit wants to do in my heart and in my life, then perhaps it was ever just a nice thought that I never really believed. Um, when I encounter the truth of who God is and let, me, uh, and let Jesus transform me, um, that's when worship becomes something that is powerful. So I'm not sharing this to load a whole heap of guilt on you to say, hey, before you worship God, make sure your life is perfect because that is not what the gospel is. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And Jesus never asked us to come to him when we finally got our lives all sorted out and looking perfect. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, we read that um, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So, therefore, since we have a great high priest, this is Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. So it really makes me think, am I bringing God just one part, one moment of my life? Or am I bringing him everything that I am in worship? Worship is about his glory and our surrender. And God is looking for worshippers who really mean it. 
So when we come to think about worship, the traditions of worship, the form that our worship might take, whether it's music or prayer or praise or service or liturgy or feeding homeless people or uh, working night shifts at the hospital, um, it doesn't matter what, what you are doing. That's not what makes it worship. It's about the posture of our heart. So the posture of your heart is more important than the outward form of your worship. There's an awesome quote I read recently from uh, Richard Foster. He wrote a great book called Celebration of Discipline. I'll just read a little bit for you. He says, Forms and rituals do not produce worship, nor does the disuse of forms and rituals. We can use all the right techniques and methods. We can have the best possible liturgy, but until... Uh, but we have not worshipped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. Until God touches and frees our spirit, we cannot enter this realm. Singing, praying, praising may all lead to worship, but worship is more than any of them. Our spirit must be ignited by the divine fire. As a result, we need not be overly concerned with the question of the correct form for worship. We must have wineskins that will embody our experience of worship, so we must have forms that embody our experience of worship. But the forms are not the worship. They only lead us into the worship. The forms are not the worship. They only lead us into the worship. We are free in Christ to use whatever forms will enhance our worship. And if any form hinders us from experiencing the living Christ, then too bad for the form. So we must have wineskins that will embody our experience of worship. We are, after all, human we are physical beings. So this includes music and singing and praising, everyday actions, everyday ordinary life. But the forms are not the worship. They only lead us to the God who we serve. So without heart and mind, without spirit and body surrendered to Jesus, these forms are empty. The Pharisees, back in the day of Jesus, they did not get this at all. Well, some of them did, <laughs> but the vast majority, he, um, Jesus had a lot of fun uh, talking to them about this. And in Mark chapter 6, sorry, chapter 7, he says these words to them. He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Whew. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Remember, this is the word sebo. This means awe and reverence. They have awe and reverence for me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. So there are two warnings here for us. One is, are our hearts far from God? Do I need to surrender my heart to him again? to open our hearts to his love and to his spirit. If we're truly surrendered to Jesus and your innermost being and in your spirit and in truth and the truth and the revelation of who Jesus is, do I really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Then my act of worship will honor God. If I am not surrendered to him, then my act of worship is hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is basically when you say you believe something, but you're doing something totally opposite. Um, the second thing, are we holding on to a certain form of worship or human tradition 
that we have placed more importance on than whether or not we're even still genuinely worshipping God. This is huge for us today because when the vast majority of the times that we talk about worship, uh, we're referring to singing and to music. Um, and you look across history and, and there's all sorts of things that are deemed to be the worship of the day, the type of thing that they'd do, the form that they would use. But we need to know that it is possible to make music, to sing, to look worshipful, to pray even, but to miss the whole point, that it's not about the style that we like or the song that we choose. After all, we're free in Christ to use whatever form will enhance our worship. But the form is always secondary to the heart, to the spirit, to the mind that we bring to him in surrender. It's all, it's all about Jesus. If you get nothing else from, from what I'm sharing tonight, um, when we worship God, it's, it has to be all about Jesus. So we've got to regularly check that our, our hearts, in our hearts, that the tool, the vessel, the wineskin, the form, has not become more important than the heart of worship itself. We can't let go, if we can't let go of a particular way of doing worship, then are we still living in surrender to God? If we can't accept somebody else's way that they want to worship God, then is that still genuine worship in our own lives? Are we still worshipping God in spirit, in our innermost being, and in the truth, the full revelation of who Jesus is? Because when we are doing that, my friends, then the form will no longer matter. So, let's have a bit of fun. Grab a friend, the person sitting next to you. If you're not sitting next to anyone, scooch over. And um, just take a minute to talk about this. If you were stuck on a desert island with nothing, I know, you can't even take one thing with you, you get nothing on the Caesar Island, what would your worship to God look like? Just have a little korero. Anybody brave enough to share? What would your worship to God look like on a desert island with nothing? Any ideas? Any thoughts? Is nobody brave enough? Yeah. Usually your surroundings to your worship. Awesome. I would say, every time I walk up the mountain, you're just overwhelmed with God's beauty. Yeah, creation. God's creation. Yeah. Just to set the surroundings to your worship. Awesome. Surroundings, yeah, and be your worship, inspire your worship. That's great. It would be beautiful on a desert island. <laughs> yep. Oh, great. Yeah, spiritual acts of service. Build a sandcastle for the Lord. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So you, you see my point that worship is not about the form that it takes. It is about the heart and the physical posture of surrender that you bring. Worship is about his glory and our surrender. 
The Father is looking for worshippers who really mean it. And the posture of your heart is more important than the form that your worship takes. So then, why music? Why do we spend so much time in music and in worship together? Music is so often involved because it is super incredible and powerful at helping engage both our hearts and our minds in worship. So God created music. Ask any musician and they'll start blabbing to you about um, how incredible and deep and wide and endless the, the, the realm of music can be. It's, it's exciting. Um, it's a beautiful, powerful, inspiring, communicative thing. And God created it that way. He, there's a fantastic quote by a guy, I don't actually know who he is, but his name is E.Y. Harburg. And he said something very interesting. He said, words make you think a thought. They engage your mind. Music makes you feel a feeling. Have you ever listened to music without it affecting your emotions, affecting your heart? It makes you feel a feeling. A song where words and music are combined make you feel a thought. It allows your heart to feel the truth of what your mind is singing about. It allows your mind to emotionally express this intellectual and spiritual truth that we're declaring when we sing. So it's both your heart and your head engaged in worship. This is why we spend so much time doing it together. It's also a really great way to join our voices as one, to unify our hearts in a physical act of singing, of surrender to God and worship. Uh, Libby Huirua, a beautiful lady, um, she said, God doesn't respond to an atmosphere. He responds to faith. Music helps us stir our faith and open our hearts, minds, and emotions to him in worship and surrender. Uh, we were at Hillsong Conference a couple of years ago, and there was a moment that has just been etched into my mind and my memory forever. It was the year that they released the song, Oh Praise the Name of the Lord Our God, and uh, we'd um, this was one of the final sessions of the conference, and um, there was this moment, we just sang the chorus, it was towards the end of the song, and they started doing this beautiful interlude, the worship leaders stopped singing, it was just the nice chorus they were playing, and um, out of the chasm of this ginormous room, 20,000 voices started lifting their praise to God, singing this chorus of, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God, oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing his praise, oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. The moment of faith that was lifted in response to this God that we were singing about was huge. I still get shivers when I think about the moment that the voices started to overcome the music as, as more and more people joined in. You can hear it on the track when you listen to the song. It was recorded live and my voice is in there somewhere singing away. But um, the, it wasn't the lights, it wasn't the epic build, it wasn't the music. We certainly wired to appreciate all of those things. But what was profound about that moment was the conviction with which every person was singing these words, the faith that was lifted in unity in one voice. That is our goal when we come together in corporate worship. The goal isn't to create a great atmosphere so that God decides to show up because he's already here. The goal is to create space for people to become aware of the fact that he is already here 
and to lift their voices and hearts and genuinely worship God and surrender in spirit and in your innermost being and in the truth of who Jesus is. That is the goal of a worship leader. This is what we long for when we come into corporate worship. So biblically, we're also commanded to sing to sing up a storm, uh, among many other forms of worship. You just read the, the Psalms. There are 40 of them that tell us to sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Colossians 3.16, we've got, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Not just a come and go thing, but dwell in you richly. Take up residence in your heart. As you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So music is an incredibly wonderful way, wonderful form that we can worship God in. So let's briefly recap. Worship is about his glory and our surrender. The Father is looking for worshipers who really mean it. It must be authentic. And the posture of your heart is more important than the outward form of your worship. And music is just one of those ways that we can help engage both heart and mind. Genuine worship to God is total surrender to him in spirit and in truth. So if you're here tonight and you don't personally know Jesus, um, ask him to reveal himself to you as you ponder what I've been sharing and what, what the band have been singing about because you can know this love for yourself. He longs to show you um, a revelation of who he is. Um, maybe ask the person next to you what the heck I've been talking about. Maybe read Matthew in the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew. talks about what Jesus has done 2,000 years ago that is still so fully life-changing for each one of us today. Um, before Colin and the team come back, we're just going to have some space. I thought a really cool way to finish would be to just have some space. Um, to reflect, to pray. I'm going to read through a few questions just to get your thoughts flowing, um, to help us do a bit of a heart check, to check our hearts for worship and surrender to God. All I want you to do is listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart to tonight. In Psalm 139 we read, Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a verse of total surrender. Maybe you need to surrender some things to God tonight. Maybe some things in your life aren't really lining up with what you believe. Then come boldly to his throne. Receive grace for when you need it most. Maybe you need to bow prostrate before him. Maybe you need to proskynio tonight or when you get home or tomorrow or the next day. Maybe you need to physically express the surrendering of every part of your life to him. And I mean literally lie down on the ground. <laughs> it's a physical act of worship. So please, you're very welcome to. This carpet is, uh, looks clean. Maybe you're overflowing with thankfulness to God and you just need to dance and to sing and to let your praise just let, let, let it just to let it rise. And um, I just encourage you to do that whenever, as often as possible as you can. Maybe you need to find some different ways to connect with God. Maybe the same old forms feel dry to you. 
a really great book for you to start with would be one called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. Sacred Pathways is an incredible way of, um, yeah, finding fresh and new, something that will help you engage your heart and your mind in worship to God. Maybe your heart feels cold when you come to worship God and you don't know how to ignite the fire again. There's a verse in Psalm 100 that says, Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Go, sorry, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Um, this is a wonderful way to worship that I heard from Josh Klinkenberg. If you feel dry, if you feel stale when you come to worship God, start with thanksgiving. Thank him for what you've done. Uh, thank him for what he has done. Thank him for the things that you see around you. Thank him for the verse that you see in your Bible. As you start to thank God for what he's done, you'll start to thank him for who he is. Thank you, God, that you have created this earth. Thank you, God, that you love me. Man, you're such a loving God. You're so compassionate. You're so faithful. You start thanking him and praising him for who he is. And then as you see God for who he really is, you, just, you can't help but enter into deeper worship and surrender to him in response to his presence and his love. Thanksgiving leads to praise, which leads to worship. So as we reflect and as we pray in these moments of silence, let me just read aloud these questions. Feel free to close your eyes. Feel free to kneel. Feel free to sit. Feel free to stand. When was your last meaningful worship time with God? Do you long for more of an awareness of the presence of God in your life? Are you reading his word? Are you reading the Bible? Are you asking God to reveal himself to you? Do you want to see God for who he truly is rather than who you think he is or through or how people around you say he is? Are you looking worshipful or playing the part so that everyone around you thinks you are spiritual or is the desire of your heart to genuinely worship and glorify God? Will you disregard how you look to others in order to express your worship how God is prompting you to? Will you soften your heart to his love when you come to worship him? Do you truly believe that he loves you just as you are, not as you should be? Will you choose again every day, every moment, to surrender your heart to him? Let's just take a moment to embrace the silence and ask God to speak to each one of us. Father, I thank you that there is nothing that we can do that will make you love us more. There is nothing we can do that makes you love us less. Thank you that you're a God who doesn't come with a list of demands to say, do this and do that. Or don't do this, don't do that. But instead you say, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. So, Father, tonight we come to you. We long to 
surrender our hearts, to surrender our minds, our soul, our body, every part of our life to you because God, almighty creator God, there is no better way to live life than to live surrendered to you because you are a good God. So I pray that you bring us into a deeper place of worship, a more genuine and authentic place of worship as we, um, as we go from here and live our lives with you. Thank you that you say, come to me. So Jesus, we come.